You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by sports writing legend John Clayton, my former ESPN colleague who now works for a couple of different places. He writes an occasional column for the Washington Post. He's a host and a writer for 710 ESPN Radio in Seattle. We discuss Russell Wilson. Is there really a chance he's going to get traded? Because if there is, maybe there's an indirect impact that helps Washington. Don't get your hopes up. We discussed the rest of free agency and what could happen over the next week that will have a big impact on free agency and the kind of contracts that get handed out. We talked about receiver Allen Robinson. Everybody loves the guy. Will he even be free? Brandon Sheriff, Alex Smith. We talk about the Washington organization and if he's heard anything in league circles that makes him think that at some point Dan Snyder will have to sell. You can follow John on Twitter at John Clayton NFL. And of course, you can read my work on ESPN.com. As soon as Alex Smith is officially released, we'll have a few stories on the site about that. Why now? What's next for Washington? What the impact is? We are, and I'm going to have a, a timeline of all that Alex Smith has been through over the last year or two years. Um, that'll be coming up this weekend. We're now less than two weeks from free agency. I would expect Washington to be aggressive for someone they like. That doesn't mean going crazy for everyone, but a lot like last year when it pursued Amari Cooper really hard. They took their shot, it failed, and then they sought bargains because there wasn't anybody else that they viewed as a blue chip player worthy of those kind of deals. The way this game is going, you just can't give out big money just to fill a spot unless the player is worth it. I also know with receiver, it's a really good crop in the draft, so they don't need to get one there in free agency, or if they don't get one in free agency, don't fret. What it should do is make them or any team a little less willing to hand over big contracts to players who perhaps don't warrant it. John and I will kind of get into some of this as well. Also, the franchise dead tag deadline is March 9th. As of this taping, Brandon Sheriff remains unsigned, and therefore, and he's also untagged. I don't know that they would go to that point where they have to tag him again. I wish I could tell you what the holdup is. It's Usually it's about money, so, but I have been told that he's turned down an offer in the past. Now, what that means now, who knows? I don't know the exact structure of that contract, so it's hard to say if it was a good offer or not. That the What I do know is the possible tag of 18.303 million makes this one difficult, I believe. Washington wants to build a strong line. I've talked to some who feel that Sheriff is as good or better than any guard in the league. He wasn't all pro this year. Of course, durability has been an issue or injuries have been an issue. As, as this person told me, he said, and this person, a front office executive, told me, if you watch every play of every game, yeah, there are going to be times that he's going to definitely mess up, of course. Trent Williams used to mess up. Everybody messes up, and that's what his point was. He said, watch Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, they mess up too. This person felt that Sheriff's ability to play strong in both the run and pass game, his ability to play in space is a separator at least, but he certainly plays at a high level. Whether or not you think he's the best, 
the point is that he's going to be viewed in this prison or in this light. That's why it's going to take a lot of money. And as I've told you before, anyway, that's it for me. Just wanted to give you a couple quick nuggets. After this break, I'll be back with John Clayton. We talk about a lot of topics from Russell Wilson and what might happen with Sheriff. Where does Washington's organization stack up now in the NFC East? What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with John Clayton. All right, John. Well, we'll start with the easy question because we, you know, Russell Wilson goes to Dallas, Dak Prescott goes here. That's what's going to happen, right? No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not getting traded. Dak Prescott, you would imagine, has to get some kind of a deal done or get franchised because Jerry Jones can't lose a starting quarterback. But Russell Wilson will not get traded, and I can give you many reasons why. And I want to hear something because you I know you've laid it out in a couple different, whether it's on your radio show and the Washington Post, you've done it a couple times. Lay it out for people. Why and the only, and I know like he's not he didn't have Washington on on this whatever this list was, but there would have been an indirect result if he could get traded and if he went to Dallas, Dak's available. But why won't Russell get traded? Big reason is because of the way his contract is structured. So he's got he signed a deal. He got a sixty five million dollars signing bonus two years ago. Okay, so now if you trade him, uh, particularly before June first, you have to absorb. $39 million of dead money, $39 million. So let's put that in perspective. Assuming the cap's going to be 180 or maybe a little bit above that, no team since 2013 has been able to go 20.4% of their cap in dead money and make the playoffs, okay? And they're, you're going to be doing now uh, $39 million, which, of course, is three over the 36, okay? So that's bad, and that doesn't count anybody else you've cut or anybody else that you have any kind of transactions with. All right, so that's bad. Secondly, what that does, it puts the Seahawks in a position now, because, again, his cap currently is 32 mil. The dead money would be 30, 39. And here's a team right now about 4 million over the cap. Then who would have to go and then uh, clear 7 more million dollars of cap room? So all of a sudden, a team that went from 9 wins to 10 wins to 11 wins to 12 wins, and in the last two years had outside chances to be a number one seed, would have to go back to 2010 when Pete Carroll got here and start to completely rebuild the franchise. And so a Russell Wilson trade, sure, can get you draft choices, but also you're not going to be able to win and not be able to win probably for a couple of years. There you go. So we'll move off that one. Does Dak, will Dak stay in Dallas? I mean, do you think they get that worked out? I think they do. I know in the last two days they've made progress. What progress means is hard to tell. I mean, you know where the numbers are. Uh, because of Jerry not getting a deal done last year, you figure that Dak's asking for you know Sean, uh, Deshaun Watson money at 39. Now, of course, you know he'd like to come in just slightly under the deal that was done by uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But don't read the numbers as 45 million for Mahomes because the way that deal was, you know, he doesn't get any raise last year and this year. It stays the same because of the way the cap is. And so basically, in new money, it's 39.8. That's why Watson took 39. And so you figure he's asking for four years, $39 million a year. Jerry Jones wants a five-year deal to lay off more cap for the future and then uh, come in and do the, uh, do the deal 
at 35 million. So I don't know if they settle somewhere in between, but if you're Jerry, you better settle because if not, you have 37-7 against the cap, and really your eight top guys on the cap for this year are making over 100. You'd have virtually no room if the cap's going to be 180. Where do you think people feel Dak stacks up as a quarterback? From people you talked to around the league, where do you feel he stacks up as a quarterback? He's in the top 10. I mean, because again, you know, he's good enough each year to get you into the playoffs, or in most years, as long as your defense doesn't have Mike Nolan making bad calls and uh, you know, getting everybody confused. But, uh, you know, I mean, you can see, like, even before he was hurt, I mean, he was leading the league in passing. I mean, he was having a great year. He had the leading yards and all those different things. And uh, you can see he's a good leader. He, you know, works hard, all those different things. And he's got a great free receiver set. And so with that in mind and Ezekiel Elliott, they're a very potent offense. But now what you can look at with uh, Dak is that uh, is he good enough to win some playoff games? He finally won one. So he's ahead of Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins. And so uh, that's encouraging. But overall, I mean, he's, he's a good quarterback. And you can argue that he's probably the best quarterback in the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you, if he's back and healthy, and I know, listen, we have free agency to go. We have the draft. But as we stand now, would they, if you, if you feel he's going to be healthy, would they be, would you look at now as, okay, that would still be the team to beat, even though Washington won the division this year? Or how do you, how do you assess it at this point? Right now, it's hard to say because, again, we have to see the carnage, as Diane Rossini said, that uh, is going to be happening yeah. in 10 days. And there is going to be massive carnage because, again, you know, I'm, as I'm looking at you here, uh, as we talk, uh, I'm looking at a cut list of about 120 guys that could be cut. And uh, a lot of them will get cut because you know, what you look at with the cap, and this is, this is going to affect Dallas as much as any team in football, particularly if they franchise uh, Dak Prescott, is that uh, how many $10 million a year guys can you have? You basically take the league back to 2018. 2018, the cap was 177.2. So let's assume the cap's going to be 180.5. So in 2018, you only, there was only about 155 players making $10-plus plus million a year. All right, so now you go back to last year. They finished the year with 209. This year started uh, with the 2021 season with 184, and there's already been 15 players making 10-plus million cuts. So what you're going to see is guys are going to get 10-plus million dollar contracts, but for that to happen, you have to let go of a lot of 10-plus million dollar players. And you're starting seeing now each day. I mean, for example, you saw with Cal Vanoy. I mean, he got a four-year, $51 million deal. And next thing you know, he gets cut after one year. And you're going to see a lot of the unrestricted free agents who got good contracts last year being let go because, you know, we've already seen Steve Weatherly of Carolina get let go. Teddy Bridgewater is not in great shape in Carolina because David Tepper wants to go get a big franchise-type quarterback. I mean, and you're going to see this all up and down the league. Tyler Eifert, they didn't pick up the second year of his contract. And so you're going to see a lot of guys. You look at the, I mean, this was uh, uh, street free agents, but the two free agents added uh, by the Packers, you know, Ricky Wagner, the right tackle, and Christian Kirksey, they signed two-year deals, and they're gone. So you're going to see a lot of carnage. So what I'm looking at right now, let's assume they don't get a deal done with Dak or get a deal done with Dak and he's still going to eat up a good portion of the cap. So, little Collins might have to get cut. You know, I don't know. They're saying right now they're going to keep Jalen Smith. They're, you're going to, they're going to have to lose some guys, and if that's going to be the case, that offensive line, which has been so good for so long, may suffer some real consequences. That's There's always the ramifications of this. So when you look at, like, do you feel because of all that carnage, are there going to be a lot of good bargains out there, or what do you think that does to the market? Well, 
it, I mean, it's going it's to make, you know, because it's going to make a great market for teams that can do a good job of shopping and a good job of convincing players to come in at lower prices. Yeah, because I think in a lot of ways you're looking at uh, free agents that teams can sign for 50 cents on the dollar. I mean, for example, uh, I mean, take a look and you saw yesterday uh, that David Johnson, the former 13 million dollar a year running back when he was with Arizona, traded to Houston. He took a deal on a one-year deal for a little less. It says a max uh, six-year deal, and you know from doing this stuff, as long as you're doing right. it, the agents are always going to give you the max, not the real deal. And so it's probably one year at four and a half million or less. And then you saw that the J.J. Watt, you know, they said it was 15 and a half, and it turned out to be 14 a year. But, if, like, I'll give you examples. Like, Gabe Jackson is going to get cut by the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. He's making $11 million a year. You might be able to get him for half the price. You know, Nick Martin, the center for the uh, Houston Texans, he was making $11 million a year. and He's a good player. You might be able to get him for five and a half or six. So, no, there's going to be a lot of cut players that are going to be bargains. And uh, the only – trouble the teams are going to have, you know, you know they're not, because they're making 11, 10, 13, 14 million bucks, that they're not going to sign long-term deals because you're not going to get the big money now, but it's going to eat up a lot of cap room when you sign these one-year deals, you know, for five or six million bucks, but there are going to be a lot of bargains. The other thing too that, John, that we always hear with from teams, like for them, it's like when I'll talk to executives, like they're like, they'll tell me, I don't look at the cap space. It's all about cash flow. How will this past year impact that cash flow as we go into free agency? Because that's always important for, for bonuses, et cetera. Well, it's going to affect that a lot because, I mean, uh, I, I just spent the last couple of days, you know, putting all the new salaries in for 2021, and I just started three and a half teams on 2022. And what you're, what you're seeing right now is that I can't even find an undrafted player uh, getting more than just a one-year deal. And so you're getting more of that. And then also, uh, you have to watch the cash flow, too, just because, again, the cash was so down last year because there was so few fans in the stands. And so you just have to try to get through this year. Now, obviously, it's going to pick up a little bit more in 2021 because there will be fans in the stands. But uh, I think you have to you know, worry about that. And then 2022, then get ready for the shock because that's when the big money starts coming back and the players right. reap the rewards. And with Deshaun Watson, where do you think that's going to – I mean, it, it feels like there's there's just one possible ending here, but when do we get to that point, and what teams do you think will be seriously involved for him? Well, I mean, when you what you look at is that uh, I, I still – Nick Casario right now is the big holdout. He wants to keep him, and he doesn't want to do it. So now the question is going to be, is he willing to wait until training camp or the start of the regular season to see if Deshaun's going to live through the promise that he made so he's never going to wear a Houston Texans uniform again. You know, if not, then uh, he, if he changes his mind, and then also remember this, this is one bad football team. If right. you do honor, if you're Nick Cesario and you're new the general manager making five-plus million dollars a year, and all of a sudden you, you let him go, everybody else on the team, not that there's hardly any good players left, can come in and do the same thing. And then you have nobody. And so you, know, you have to say with a no-trade clause that you don't make a trade. But if he does make a trade, then you can see that the, the two teams that I think are going to be the most active are going to be Denver and the Carolina Panthers. And you might want to mention the David Tepper. I mean, he will give up everything to get a Deshaun Watson. So I think he can outbid Denver. But then you also got an aggressive, good general manager in George Payton, uh, and they have Drew Locke where they can wait. In both cases, Carolina and the uh, Denver Broncos can wait 
Because, again, you, they can have these guys as their starting quarterbacks. And so that can take them into training camp to wait, where if you're Washington, you probably need to make a decision now. If you're a team trying to acquire uh, you know, Sam Darnold, you've got to make it, you gotta, you gotta make a deal as soon as possible. Now, again, in Darnold, that's going to be in the beginning of April because the workouts for the quarterbacks go all the way through the 28th of March. So, you know, whether it's going to be Washington, Chicago, maybe an outside chance of San Francisco, or, or it looks like they're going to stay with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's going to be New England. I mean, you've just got to basically kind of wait it out for another month. But in the end, I think that, uh, you know, you, you, Carolina and Denver have the best chance of waiting. With, with Darnold, I mean, opinions I get on this guy are very mixed. What do you think it would cost to get him in terms of compensation? Uh, a second-round pick and probably another pick in the next year. So maybe a second and a three, second and a four. I think it's going to be hard to get a first-round pick for him because, again, you know, he's coming at a discount. He hasn't uh, played all that well. Now, part of it was Adam Gaze and how he was coached and the lack of talent that they had at wide receiver and tight hit. And so that became a big issue. But in the end, I think that uh, you know, he's still, a, uh, I think, a good, talented quarterback. You know, I still thought he was the most talented quarterback in his draft obviously that didn't turn out to be the case but i know for example kyle shanahan and you know him real well yeah. really likes him and so it's like uh, when you have a kyle shanahan really liking him then uh then you know there's something still there and we'll see how it works like in indianapolis with frank wright getting his hands back on carson wentz whether he can get him back over the top but overall i think in the end it's uh you know sam i think can play i, I look at it as a situation and this kind of goes back you know, in history, is that you saw how Sam, uh, Jim Plunkett was beat up on a lot of bad New England Patriot teams, and he ends up going to the Oakland Raiders, and it took him a year or two for his body to come back, and then he was able to get all the Super Bowl runs and all the great play that Jim Plunkett was able to do. I kind of look at Sam Darnold a little bit like uh, Jim Plunkett. The, yeah, yeah, I think if whoever gets him would be happy with what he did with the Raiders. That's that that's for sure. What about receiver? Allen Robinson, is he going to get tagged? Is he's a guy that a lot of teams are going to want? No, he's got to get tagged. I mean, they can't afford to lose him because, again, you know, it's not out of the question that uh, they keep him and then they have to go draft a receiver in the first round. And so, uh, no, there's no way they can afford to lose him, particularly with their tenuous situation at quarterback with Nick Foles and basically nobody else. Uh, so, yeah, I, because if they let him go and not franchise him, because, again, negotiations haven't really gotten even started yet. Right. And a lot of that's because nobody knows what the cap officially is going to be. So it's like, no, I think in the end that uh, they'll franchise him. Kenny Galladay is going to be franchised. I think Chris Godwin is going to be franchised. I think the top three receivers in free agency are all going to get franchised. And they're, and they're still – it's funny because it is a good class. And it's a good class for the draft as well. But one of the guys was for tags, Brandon Sheriff. Do you think he gets tagged? I mean, because they had to do it last year. They're, you know, so what do you think happened? What do you think happens with him? And then the cost it's going to keep yeah. to, to keep him. Well, that's the thing. It's like a, when you look at the cost, like even with the safety position, you know, because you got Justin Simmons, you know, you, know, you, you do him on a second franchise tag. It works out to be, you know, $12.5 million a year for two years. And you can see it's probably the same thing, uh, you know, with, Anthony Harris in Minnesota. In the case of sure, I mean, sure, it, it, it takes it into a big cap number, but also, you know, if, if you're sure, you probably don't mind that because you're still getting decent money and you're not going to be able to get the big contract that you probably want long term. So it'd be nice if they can get the deal done, but I think it's probably going to end up being a franchise tag. And if you look at that list of guards, right, I mean, you've got uh, Brandon Scherf, 
Joe Thune and a lot of question marks. There's a big gap after those two. So Washington cannot afford to lose him, and even if it means taking the big cap number. Because, uh, again, right now, at a stand, you know, once they let Alex Smith go, they don't have a big cap number on any of their quarterbacks. Right. I mean, it's I'll be honest, John, it's shocking to me to see where what really good guards are going to be paid in this league. It's just, you know, because like his deal could end up to be if they sign him to a deal, it's going to be over 16 per year. You know, and if not, it'll be 18 on the tags. It's just, it's just shocking to see where this thing has gone with them. Yeah, and again, if you're if you're a Washington, I mean, uh, you know, from the financial side, you look at it too. It's like, okay, so uh, you know, the cap number is going to be huge, but basically, you're getting him to 16 and not paying the 18 million a year. And as you brought up, I mean, cash flow is very important coming up this year because again, things still are going to be tight. That's why, again, you want to have enough room and money to be able to get some of these bargain basement guys. Because, again, you're going to see you know, good running backs available at a cheap price. And, again, good guards at a cheap price. Not great guards, but good guards. And you know, with these two being clearly the best two, Thune and uh, Scherf, you can't lose Scherf. Do you think it's going to be – how crazy do you think it's going to be because of, you know, with the, all these guys being on the market, um, this, off, this entire offseason, all these guys in the market, the draft season is going to be different because no combine, no, you know, just the pro days are different, everything's different. Is it going to, do you think that teams might be more cautious to, just with everything, just because there maybe is a little bit more uncertainty in some ways, or, or maybe they go more veterans because you're a little bit less certain about some guys in the draft? How do you think it plays out? I think that uh, because realizing in this draft, I mean, you're, you're looking at guys that you haven't even see play in more than a year in some cases, those guys who opted out. And also you look at you know, some of the college tape of some of the teams in the Pac-12. I mean, you know, Washington, for example, the Huskies, they only have four games. And so right. you don't have a lot of tape. And so there's going to be more mistakes made in this draft than probably we've ever seen. Because, again, there's so much less information. You don't have the combine. You don't have the ability to you know, go around and you know, you spend some time. I mean, I'm surprised that they actually did open it up where some of the scouts can go and watch the individual workouts. But, again, they're not going to be in control of the workouts, and that's going to be difficult. I mean, you wonder about the, uh, the medicals because now, I mean, you only have the first 150 players getting medicals. And, again, they're not getting them in Indianapolis at the Combine. So that's going to be a question mark. I mean, you wonder with the Zoom calls and everything else, are you being able to capture the true personality of the player? So you look at all those different things, and you basically say it's going to be tough. That's why in many cases it may be better not just to wait for unrestricted free agency, but to be able to grab some of the released guys and see if you can get some bargain basements. Like in, in other words, if you're drafting in the draft, unless you're in, say, the top ten, it's probably better to uh, fill out needs with some of the street free agents as it is to wait for the guys to come in. Because so let's put it this way, nobody knows for sure, is there going to be an off-season program? We don't, right. know, we don't know if there's going to be a mini camp. We know there's going to be a training camp, but this could be like last year because if you have guys coming back from injuries and uh, they don't know what to do uh, in, from college, you don't know where they're going to be medically for the start of the season. Just a couple more minutes here, and I appreciate your time as always. Alex Smith, you think there – is there any – I mean, I assume the move hasn't been made official, but when it happens, I assume he's just going to go somewhere to be a backup. I mean, I just can't – I can't see him going somewhere to go as a starter. Do you, you – is that – would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, like, for example, uh, you know, as, as everybody starts to mention, it seems to be a nice fit in Jacksonville, even though they have Gardner right. Minshew and uh, probably taking Trevor Lawrence. But, again, you know, he's worked with uh, my, uh, their head coach – and so I would have to think that that could be a good fit there. You know, Denver 
even though right now they still are waiting to see if they can get into Deshaun Watson's sweepstakes, you can see them starting to reach out because you know, they've shown interest in Ryan Fitzpatrick to challenge Drew Locke. Uh, you can see that uh, you know, they're looking at all, uh, Andy Dalton. And to me, Alex Smith could be a good fit there. And he, could he beat out Locke? Maybe he can't. But uh, that could be one. And again, you don't know about Chicago because they're going to be looking for somebody. But no, I think you know. And he has a Matt Nagy tie-in too. Yeah. So again, it's like you look at all those things, and it's like there's fits that you know he can go in and compete and have a chance. And in the end, like if he goes to Jacksonville, you know eventually they're going to go with Trevor Lawrence. But remember, Lawrence is coming off a a, a shoulder surgery. Right. Got uh, six months to totally recover from that. And so I would have to think that you know Jacksonville has you know pretty much one of the most group of cap room as possible i think alex is probably going to go to jacksonville the dance the whole investigation into this team have you heard anything from anybody around the league that might give you reason to think maybe dan is going to have to sell i haven't heard that i have yeah. nobody saw that i'm curious from your end what do you hear about this and do you, what do you think ultimately happens yeah. i have not heard a single word as expected i think they've done a great job of trying to keep everything quiet which everybody expected to happen. And so when you take a look at the big picture, you know, it's like uh, it's, it's hard in this. Like this is not like, you know, baseball with smart shot or, you know, what they did in the NBA with the uh, Clippers. I, I just can't see them forcing him to sign. They can put pressure on him. And you know there's going to be people right now that are interested in buying the team. You know, like you can see that the, there is plenty of interest in that. But I think right now, you know, Dan's going to have to, you know, pay some penalties for some of the things that happen. But in the end, I think he keeps last one. How does it, where does he, where do you feel this organization is right now compared to the rest of the NFC East and the other, your other teams there? Mm, I think they're in, I think they're in good shape because, you know, they've got good leadership, Ron Rivera. I think they've done a marvelous job in the front office, getting Marty Kearney and getting all the people, Matthew Mayhew, uh, and then also getting uh, uh, Bill Poley and son, Chris. I thought that's good. I think that you can see that the, they've got a good coaching staff. I mean, right now, Philadelphia cap-wise is an absolute mess. And, you know, they've not drafted well, so you have to put them down at the bottom. And then you look at the Giants, they're still trying to build up, but they got some building up to do. But what you look right now is that, the, you know, Dallas, where are they? I mean, again, that, that surprised me how bad they were last year. And, again, we don't know where they're going to be cap-wise. So I think right now, because even though – it's not necessarily going to be a 10-win team. I think you know, the Washington football team might be able to win the division with nine. John, you're the best. I appreciate your time, man. Okay. Hey, thank you. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team, everything you want, you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. That's it for this week. Thanks to John for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another podcast Monday, unless, of course, there are any big moves, in which case I'll be doing a quick emergency podcast whenever it wants. That'll be true throughout the offseason. Talk to you next time.